We're going to get into some Old Testament today. It's going to be pretty cool to get started on that. The men have been going through Exodus, and we're going to get started on the book right after Exodus, which is Leviticus. So if you have a Bible, will you turn to Leviticus chapter 1? Now, so I thought this was interesting because Leviticus, to me, was a book that I kind of avoided. Not because uh, it's difficulty or anything, but I was, I had, a, I had the wrong kind of mindset to be uh, studying Leviticus, and, and I think for years... Um, I was very irreverent with it. And what I mean by that is I would joke around about it a lot. Only because if I knew somebody was doing a study in Leviticus, I would pass, right? I would say, oh, no. Mm -mm. You know, 40 minutes of silent prayer, forget it. Uh, And I used to use Leviticus as like a a reference, like if we had a, a meeting of some kind. I was like, oh, Leviticus meeting. Oh, no. (laughs) Because this is what I thought. So I made a promise that I was going to read through the Bible. So I went through Genesis. And then with the men, we went through Exodus. And Leviticus is next. And um, I I made that promise two years ago. And I kind of stopped right there. And so I was procrastinating when I was going to get into it. So I started, I got into it. Chapter one just blew me away. I was surprised and shocked. And I've read it before, but the Lord just did a work in my heart regarding this chapter. There was a preacher in Scotland. He said, there is no book in the whole compass of that inspired volume which the Holy Ghost has given us that contains more than the very words of God than Leviticus. It is God that is the direct speaker on almost every page. His gracious words are recorded in the form wherein they were uttered. This consideration cannot fail to send us to the study of it with singular interest and attention. If we look at this book with the attitude that I had as a young man, we would lose out on many of the blessings and growth as we study the scriptures. And if we can remember that uh, it is an attitude of the heart, right, that concerns our Heavenly Father. We see how God's love for his children is guiding here in the book of Leviticus. The details of every sacrifice pictures the perfect work of Christ. These are not just old uh, Jewish rituals, but the father pointing to the son. God directing towards salvation. And as I said before, uh, and it's something I like to say, a father just wanting to make sure his kids make it to where he is. 
And I say that because as a dad, you want to be around your kids. You want your kids to be where you are. Every loving father's wish. Interesting to note that in the last chapter of Exodus, which in the men's study we're finishing up, God is commanding Moses in the building of the tabernacle and in the latter half of chapter 40, well, we read seven times, as the Lord has commanded Moses. As the Lord has commanded Moses. And everything Moses did was because the Lord commanded him to do it. Moses is a perfect example of leading us into the book of Leviticus. And also an example for every believer and follower of Christ. As if to say, you've left the world behind, right, Egypt? You've left the world behind. Now this is how to worship. This is how to serve. This is how to obey. How to be holy. And he says it a number of times in Leviticus. For I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. And as we speak to those around us about Jesus, right? We're, we're witnessing, hopefully, to others around us. We're giving, uh, or uh, if we're talking about giving your life to Christ to others, the first steps that they have to take is to leave the world behind, right? They got to they got to leave Egypt, and sometimes a lot of Christians will attack the things that they're doing. Oh well, because they're drinking, they're getting high, or because they they live this. Uh, alternative lifestyle, or, and, and they attack those things, but they need to leave all those things behind. You've got to tell them about Jesus first, the love of Christ. And once they make that decision, they leave the world behind, they could leave all those things. They'll see that sacrifice that has to be made. And we're going to be talking about that today in chapter 1. And there's a cost. Remember David, the king? He was, uh, was going to buy the threshing floor. And Tony even mentioned it today in the study. The guy wanted to just give him this property so David could build this altar. And, and David's like, no, don't give it to me. I, I'm going to buy this. He's, I'm not, he's like, I'm not going to offer burnt sacrifices to my Lord, which cost me nothing. There's a cost to be made here in our sacrifice, in our sacrifices to the Lord. It's, it's going to cost you. It may hurt. It's going to cost you. All right, so let's open our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 1, and I'll read through it 17 verses, and then we'll go back. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it. 
of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs and with water, and the priest shall burn on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 10. If his offering is of the flocks of the sheep or of the goats as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. And he shall cut it into its pieces with its head and its fat, and the priests shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. Verse 13, but he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water. Then the priest shall bring it all and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. And the second time we hear this, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 14, and if the burnt sacrifice of the offering to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it. To the altar, wring off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out at the side of the altar. And he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for ashes. Then he shall split it at its wings, but shall not divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar On the wood that is on the fire, it is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. Third time, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Why, when we hear things repeated, why are we hearing those things? It's important. This is something important God wants us to note. This is A sweet aroma to the Lord. And notice that it is God who is initiating this. And it is we who obey. Here Moses was told to build the tabernacle. And now he's done. He did everything God asked him to do. And now God is saying, Okay, here's the next step. It wasn't Moses' next step. It was God's next step. God initiates. Notice in verse 2, we talk about herds and flocks. Herds have to do with large cattle like bulls and cows and oxen. 
And flock had to do more with small animals like sheep and goats, birds. We see how that God is fair and just. If you can afford a large animal like a bull or you have cows and you have cattle, or if you can afford small flocks like goats and sheep, or even you can't afford that, you, you can afford at least a bird. The sacrifice is personalized right here for you. What you could afford. Remember the old woman at the temple in Mark chapter 12? And Jesus is standing there across from the treasurer when they're coming in to bring in their offerings. And he tells his disciples, he calls them over. because you gotta, you guys got to see this. Look at this woman over here. And he says there in Mark 12, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. Is your sacrifice a small thing in the eyes of the world? Maybe. The Lord sees your heart. God sees that what man, God sees what man overlooks. Big gifts will be noticed by who? By the people. The widow's mites, they were two of the smallest coins. You really, you really couldn't buy much or of anything with that. It's like less than a half penny. These were seen by God. And even today we're talking about it. The rich people giving their offerings... They, uh, they still retained their uh, fortunes. They still had their money. The widow, though, she put in all she had to live. Hers was a true sacrifice. That was going to hurt. And we're talking about the heart, right? Her heart. No matter what your sacrifice is to the Lord, you know, whatever your New Year's resolution was or is, don't you want your sacrifice to be seen by God? Don't you want the creator of the universe to take notice of you? Notice that uh, there were no, um, I thought this was interesting for me, I don't know why I think like this, but uh, notice there was no wild animals named in all of this, given to sacrifice. So for the most part, these are all very peaceful animals. They won't, they won't put too much of a fight. I mean, a bull might, might run, you know, or give you a hard time. But uh, they're pretty much peaceful animals. They were used for working hard or for providing something for you. Could you imagine having to go catch a bear to put him on this altar to kill him? Uh, that... Uh, that would be quite difficult to do. A lion or a tiger, maybe even a snake. Snakes they have in the Middle East. Oh, you don't want to catch one of those. These are not wild animals. And it leads us to what we're talking about in verse 3. The free will. Verse 3. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice to, of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door. 
of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. See, nothing wild, peaceful, at your own free will. If our lives are living sacrifice and we put up a fight and it's not of our own free will, then uh, is it? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly accepted to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. How can our sins be forgiven? How can we begin to live a new life if we fight? We fight to give up the old one. See, meat-eating wild animals or birds of prey, they're, they're real difficult to catch. You've got to trap them. They have traps for animals like that. God doesn't want to trap you. You've got to come of your own free will. Go peacefully. It's it's kind of like an example, and I've heard uh, I've heard Xavier say this at weddings, and I've been to many of his weddings where I get to worship or do some songs. He says, "I've never seen a man dragged up the altar to marry his wife, his bride. He goes of his own free will to his death. No, I mean uh, to his marriage." In the beginning of time, man left the close relationship with God. He left by his own free will. So man must return to God by his own free will. No one is forced to love him. No one is forced to serve him. And no one is forced to worship him. Verse 4, then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, right, the animal, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Your hands on its head. It's kind of a symbol of transference, if you will. The animal is taking your place. That should be you. But God, but in God's mercy, this sacrifice is taking your place. It's making atonement. To make atonement. The word atonement here in Hebrew is the word kofar, which means to cover. We get the word covert or covering from it. The blood of animals, though, it doesn't take away the sin. But it provides a covering for sin. Sin is to be put away for good. But here, it is being only covered. This symbolic ritual was not taking away their sin. Hebrews 10.4 even tells us, for it is not possible. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Right? Right? 
I like what Dr. J. Vernon McGee says. I like to listen to that guy on the radio. I've listened to him for years. He says, God never accepted the blood of bulls and goats as the final payment for sin, but he required that blood be shed. It was an atonement to cover over the sins until Christ came. In other words, God saved on credit in the Old Testament. When Christ came, that hymn that we, that we love to sing, Jesus paid it all. When Christ came, Jesus paid it all. The hands on the head, symbolizing the acceptance to take your place, dying in your stead, you get to live. The sacrifice is going to die. Which means to say that you should be the one dying. But his grace, but his mercy, right? His unmerited favor toward you. That's good news. That's the, that's the gospel. It's that good news of God that will draw you near him. Romans 2.4 Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance? Long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. If you had to do this every year and take this animal and you had to kill it and sacrifice it. And there's more to it, you'll see. We'll get into it. And you, you see that this animal is taking your place, this gruesome act. It's going to draw you to live a better life as, as you get older. It's his kindness. It's drawing you to repentance. Verse 5, he says, He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Who's, wait a minute, who's killing this animal? The person bringing it is killing the animal. That, that, that would be something I would remember. You bring this spotless lamb and then you have to be the one to kill it. I'll remember that for a whole year. And it has been offered and it has been accepted and then it has to be killed. And he says, before the Lord, right at the door, the priests are right there. They're watching. They're ready. The priests take the blood. They sprinkle it all around the altar right by the door. It sounds really gruesome here. But this is a point that God's trying to make right here. There are witnesses all around to this death. But there are duties to be done. And you, the offerer, have to do it. He's the one who kills the animal. It is his duty, not the priest's. Here we have... And you know if this is your animal, the innocent dying for the guilty. Verse 6, he says, And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. Oh, wow, i got to skin it too and i got to cut it up. The person offering the sacrifice, it's his duty. 
In verse 7, the sons of Aaron, the priests, they'll put it on the fire. Or they put fire on the altar and they lay the wood in order on the fire. In order. Again, God likes everything in order. He puts it all in order. Let all things be done decently in order. 1 Corinthians. And the priests, Aaron's sons, he's clear, he's made it clear, very clear. These are the priests, Aaron's sons. They shall lay the parts, the head, the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. I'm getting the idea that there was to be special care here for what was happening. The sacrifice to be done with such good care and meaning that the placement and order was very important. And he's not forgetting anything. The head, the real tasty part, the fat, put it in there. Don't forget about that. Put that in there. Verse 9, but he shall wash the entrails. Oh, i got to wash the entrails too. And its legs with water. Does everybody know what the entrails is? The, all the innards. They have to be emptied out. And then the legs have to be washed with water. And the priest shall burn all, all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice. An offering made by fire. It's a sweet-smelling aroma. I'm thinking about barbecue now. The guys are talking about barbecue and smoking barbecues. and Wow. And if you stand outside next to a barbecue and you can smell that fat burning, oh, my goodness, your mouth starts to water. Well, mine does anyway. And this is, this is God. Now, God doesn't have a body. God is spirit. But he's, he's, he's showing us something here. That smell, that aroma comes up. And if, even if you're in a bad mood, you're going to start smiling. You know, mm, oh, that smells so good. And that's what God is saying. I'm going I'm to catch that, what you're doing here. This sacrifice that you're doing. It's going to make me smile. That's another thing I like to say. You made God smile when you're worshiping with your heart tonight. Because that's a sacrifice of praise to him. When you do things for the Lord, when you serve the Lord, you put your own time and you volunteer your time to serve others, to serve God's church, to his people, you're making God smile. That is a aroma that's going up to him. And you smell it. Oh, that's nice. See what you're doing for the Lord. That's nice. The one bringing the sacrifice has to do all the washing and the parts. Now, there's a lot for a lot to say for us about washing. There's a lot of washing for us to do in our lives. We got to bring everything to the Lord. He's going to burn it up. We got to clean up our clean ourselves up and offer our lives a sacrifice to him. A sweet smelling aroma. A very 
heavy-scented barbecue, your life to God. Verse 10, if his offering is of the flocks of the sheep or the goats as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. Without blemish. God doesn't want your second-hand leftovers. He wants the best. He wants your best. Look at Matthew chapter 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants your heart. Because that's where the best is. You save the best for yourself, don't you? You save the best piece of barbecue for yourself. You save, you save uh, you know, whatever it is. We save the best for ourselves. He's like, no, no, no. I, I know your heart. Give me the best. Because that's where your treasure is. Remember Malachi? When God was saying to the priests, telling them, that they don't love him? And they're like, what? What do you mean, God? Yeah, we do. That they don't honor him? That they turn the people from him? In Malachi 1.8, he says, When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? No. Would he accept you favorably? No. See, God, God wants your heart because, because he knows your heart. And he sees if you're bringing the sacrifice of your own free will. Are you going up kicking and screaming? Are you a wild animal? Chapter, uh, verse, verse 11. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Verse 12. And he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat, and the priests shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. Once again, we see that God does things in order without any confusion. He even says who's going to do it, Aaron's sons. Notice it's the person offering the sacrifice who does all the cutting, all the gutting into pieces, driving further the point here. This is what sin has done. It's turned our lives into a great big mess. And we got to clean it up. I don't know if you've seen an animal gutted and prepared like that. It's it's messy. A friend went hunting recently, a brother here, and he was showing me pictures. He's like, oh, yeah, here's here's the deer I caught. Here's a picture of it. I was like, oh, sure, yeah, let me see it. And then I, oh, oh, my goodness, I wasn't ready for that. It's messy. But this is a reminder. What sin does, it's a mess. Verse 13, but he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water and the priests will bring it all and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. It's to the Lord. 
The offering made by fire is an all-consuming fire sacrifice. God's not messing around here. We know the destruction that fires can bring. It only leaves ashes. There's nothing left. Something burns up, there's nothing left. Ashes. Everything is consumed. And there's, a, there's no way anyone can be a phony right here. Hiding your sin or performing a fake sacrifice. It's just not possible. Right? We read John 4. God is spirit. And those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The fire cleanses. The fire purifies. That's why there's so, uh, so much that's phony that we see in churches today. You're not serving God unless you're letting him cleanse. Unless you're letting him purify your life. This is the kind of holiness that he's illustrating here. The kind of holiness that we need in our churches today. Verse 14, and if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, well, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off its neck and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out of the side of the altar and he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for ashes. Then he's going to split it at its wings, but shall not divide it completely. I think it's interesting because here, this sacrifice, the priest is doing. He is going to do this one. And he's telling him how to do it. I don't know if you've ever seen a bird get his neck ringed. I mean, I've I don't know if that's the right word, ringed. But I, I remember we had little chickens, and they got big, and then my uncle came over. And he grabbed that chicken and wound him up. And, well, tied his legs first, and then he wound him up. Cause I didn't know what he was doing, but that, that night we had chicken for dinner. My brothers were like, oh, I'm not eating that, because they named the chicken. They had a pet, you know. I ate it. It was good. But here the priest is to do it and burn it on the altar and drain out the blood. And even so organized to remove its crop. And before I wasn't even sure what the crop was of a bird, but it's this little pouch that birds have to store food. Like they'll, they'll keep some food right there, almost like a pelican has a very huge crop. So birds sometimes have. Not all birds have them. But God says, no, remove that. That's part of the, the digestive system. God knows. So he includes that with all the entrails. Get rid of that as well. And it's feathers. I thought that was interesting. The feathers to cast it aside. Into the place for ashes. And I, I was trying to... I was pondering this, just trying to think of 
Okay, this whole thing is a sweet aroma to the Lord. Have you ever smelled feathers burning? Or it's like hair burning. Some of you, some of you ladies may have burnt your hair ironing. Um, it, it stinks. It's, it's, it's not a sweet-smelling aroma. Hair burning, feathers burning. God said, no, put that aside. I don't want to smell that. That's not a sweet aroma to the Lord. So he put that aside, put it with the ashes. But even the ashes itself was a, a sacred place because this was a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. You couldn't just throw all the ashes into the, the trash with everybody else. It was a, a place positioned, a clean uh, place that was cleansed for the ashes to go. And the feathers went there too. And you notice that um, they had to split the bird at its wings, but not divide it. God didn't want it all split up into pieces because it's, it's just a small little animal. This is very easy to tear apart a little bird. And God didn't want the sacrifice to be torn in that manner. It's very organized, very orderly. It doesn't... It doesn't have limbs like other animals do. Um, even the crop had to be uh, done properly and in order. But all of this is an example pointing us to salvation, like I said earlier, pointing us to Jesus. Psalm 34 said, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. See, the significance of the offering is seen very much so in in, uh, repetition. The phrase, before the Lord. Unto the Lord. It's found seven times in this, in this chapter. The transaction at the altar here, this sacrifice, it wasn't between the offerer and his conscience. Right, he's trying to clear his conscience. It wasn't between the offerer and, and the nation of Israel. It wasn't even between the offerer and the priest who was there. It was only between you and the Lord. There's a song that we like to sing here. Um, and I think that's why it ministers to me so much. Because it's just between you and God. It's just you and me here now. Only you and me here now.
The priests were not there to ask what your sins were. Go ahead and I'll, you know, tell me our sins and I'll forgive you. Or tell you how many prayers to say or whatever. It was between you and God. And this animal is taking your place. You should be dead. You should be killed. But in his mercy, the animal is going to take the place for you. And he's going to cover your sin. And pointing you to what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And he pays the price. And he pays it all. John 19 35 to 37 says, And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things came to pass, that the scripture might be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. The sacrifice. First Peter 1.19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish, and without spot. See, God did not want your secondhand leftovers. He wanted the best. Isaiah 53, But he was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Right? The transference of you on him, on the sacrifice. He was bruised for our iniquities. That should have been us. And by his stripes, we are healed. What Jesus did... To pay the price for our sin. It's gruesome. You don't want to look at it. Well, that should be us. But by his stripes, the whipping that he took, by his stripes, we are healed. That was in Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born. So we see the sacrifices pointing to Jesus, pointing to salvation, even pointing to the fact that this was not the end. This was pointing to what's going to happen. The children of Israel were to obey. They just got pulled out of Egypt and they're going to live A life now that is separate than the world. And so, for us, we get pulled out of the world. And now we have to live a life that is separate for him. Leave Egypt behind. Leave the world behind. And don't be be a phony. You, You can't fool God. And there's a lot of... Things in your life that has to be changed. A lot of carnality. And 
I know this because it has to be changed in my life continually. Right? Put the old man to death. And the new man is born. And you're born again. Right? Living a new life. But we leave that world behind. And God knows your heart. He sees what you're doing. You're hanging on to stuff. No matter what it is. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. Things that you need to leave behind. And God will help you with that. But you've got to bring it to the altar for sacrifice. And it's burned up. All of it. Don't hold any of it back for yourself. All of it. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Wait, wait, wait. Imitators of God. Jesus was God. What did he do? He sacrificed his life. We have to imitate that. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. There it is again, a sweet-smelling aroma. You, your life, your life, a sweet-smelling aroma. Your life is going to please God. When, when it's being brought up, no. When it's in ashes, no. It's when it's burning and the smoke goes up and everyone can smell it and the Lord can smell it. Everyone could see your life is now different. It's changed. And you're doing something And it is making God smile. It's something good in your life. And everyone sees it. God has some amazing things for us. And this is just chapter one. And I'm going to go on to chapter two this week and study on my own. I hope you do too. Um, I was just so excited when I actually read first chapter of Leviticus and I got so blessed by it and I and I was reading it and I read it again and then uh, the schedule came out for us to to do studies in Xavier's absence while he's on vacation and I was excited to share uh, the book of Leviticus because I had a different attitude when I read it It was a changed life now that I was reading. And and it's going to happen like that more and more. As you get closer and closer to the Lord, you see the things that you didn't see before. Suddenly, Scripture comes alive to you. Why? Well, because you're getting closer to God. And you're you're, you're giving Him your heart. You're making yourself new every day. Man, it's awesome. Very cool. I want to close with Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God 
as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Are you guys ready to be that sweet-smelling barbecue? <laughs> that sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord? The Lord will catch it, take it in and smile. Other people will catch it, take it in and smile and say, there's something about this person. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you give to us, Lord, and Lord, the examples that pointed us to you, that pointed us to the sacrifice, the picture of things to come, that you, Jesus, would be the ultimate sacrifice and pay the price. Lord, that you would pay it all for us. It's difficult for us to comprehend, to even imagine the pain and sacrifice that you went through physically. Lord, but you did it for us. And so, Lord, we thank you, God. We pray, Lord, that as we give our lives to you, Lord, that as we turn to your word, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we would be seen by you, first of all. Lord, that you would give us new life. We pray these things. In your name, Lord. If there's anyone here who needs to give their heart to the Lord, give their life to the Lord, you just have to repeat a simple prayer. And you will be a new person. You could put your life a sacrifice onto the altar tonight and live a new life in Jesus. If you want to say that prayer, you could just repeat after me. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. I give my life to you, Lord. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Change my life today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.